It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. It's a trip under the hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. Glad you've joined us on the first off-season episode of Under the Hood. Later on in the program, we will be joined by the voice of the Rockford Icehogs, Joey Zakshesky, as we will look at their season and talk about some of the Fuel players who have moved up to Rockford and the relationship between the two franchises and also a little bit of a peek into their relationship with the Chicago Blackhawks and Jeremy Colleton moving up from Rockford to become the head coach of the Blackhawks. And so we're looking forward to that conversation, but this is the first off-season episode of Under the Hood for the 2019 off-season. Already, preparations are underway for year six of Indy Fuel Hockey in 2019-20. Before we go any further, I want to thank Brent Hollerud, my sidekick on the first several episodes of Under the Hood. This was something that he and I and Rachel O'Donnell, the Fuel's digital content coordinator, conceived and really worked on throughout the year. And what I congratulate Brent, he has accepted a position and moved to West 56th Street, where he has joined the Indianapolis Colts as part of their social media team. And Brent uh, certainly will be missed with the Fuel because of his outstanding work, the Fuel were the ECHL social media team of the year last year, and I would anticipate be heavy favorites to win that award again when the league meetings convene in June. But we will continue throughout the summer, and we've got some really great guests lined up. To talk about the Indy Fuel, the ECHL, we may have some former Fuel players. We'll have some people connected to hockey in central Indiana and with connections to central Indiana. And we'll really celebrate the game as well as maybe chat with some other people throughout the league as we begin to look forward to next year. Of course, this year is still going on. The Kelly Cup playoffs are in full swing. Round one is complete. Moving into round two, no surprises in the Central Division playoffs as Cincinnati and Toledo both won their first round series in six games over Kalamazoo and Fort Wayne, respectively. So the Cyclones and the Walleye will do battle for the Central Division title as the next round begins and... The march for the Kelly Cup begins. Of course, there is no defending champion this year as the Colorado Eagles, the two-time defending Kelly Cup champions, moved up to the American Hockey League. So it's a wide-open race for the championship, and we'll continue to follow that as the playoffs continue to unfold. It was a successful year for the Indy Fuel in their fifth season. They ended up falling just two points shy of a playoff spot. And they posted the best home record in franchise history with 22 victories in 36 home games, 22-11, and three at home. Overall, the Fuel this season were 35-32-5. And, and again, 75 points, just two back of fourth place Kalamazoo as the Fuel were in the midst of a really, really tight battle for playoff position. And it came down literally to the last weekend of the year. And, of course, the Fuel needing points 
to hang on to a playoff spot and prevent Fort Wayne from clinching in the last home game. Actually pulled Matt Tompkins out of the net in a tie game, trying to win it in regulation because they had to. That game ended up going overtime and eventually to a shootout. And then the next night as well, the Fuel uh, finished off the year with a shootout victory in Wheeling. But so close, every single night it felt like, especially from about mid-December on, Every night felt like a playoff game because Indy, Fort Wayne, Kalamazoo, and Wheeling were all bunched up right there. And you could tell that every game could potentially turn things one way or the other. And that's a lot of fun. And it was a lot of really good hockey uh, throughout the year. And really, I thought the Fuel, even though they fell just short of their goal of making the playoffs, may have had their best team and certainly some of the best individual performances we have seen from guys in a fuel sweater. Uh, among the team records set this season, number one, Ryan Rupert sets a team record with 64 points. Josh Shala also eclipsed the previous team record. He also had 61 points. And Matthew Thompson, a 50-point scorer as well, and he really came on late in the year. Shala broke his own team record and became the first 30-goal scorer in Indy Fuel history. Also, uh, Ryan Rupert had 25 goals, and he's now one of four players to have tallied a 25-goal season. And the Fuel had four 20-goal scores. Matt Rupert had 22. Matthew Thompson had 21. Ryan Rupert also set the team record with 39 assists. And what a job Matt Tompkins did in the Fuel net. 54 games, 29 wins, a pair of shutouts, and down the stretch, he was unbelievable as uh, Matt Tompkins was 10-4-2 in his last 16 games. Points in 12 of his last 16, and that helped vault the fuel into playoff contention and, again, fell just short of that. So also a couple other season records, Alex Brooks plus 15, uh, broke a fuel mark as well as Ryan Rupert with 19 assists and 23 points on the power play. And so a lot to be thankful for, a lot to look back on on this Indy Fuel season. The team awards Matthew Thompson was the team rookie of the year. He came in at the end of last season, but he finished this year with 21 goals, 29 assists, and he uh, had a heck of a year. He tallied points in 14 of the final 17 games, 9 goals and 12 assists during that span. Dmitry Osipov was the defenseman of the year, and he played in 62 consecutive games, and then he ended up uh, earning a call-up to the American Hockey League. He Played much of the last month of the season in Rockford with the Ice Hogs. One goal, 12 assists, and really played beyond his years. He was the shutdown defenseman for the Fuel in just about all situations this year. and Only 22 years old, but he had himself a heck of a year with the Fuel. And One thing uh, head coach Bernie John often said is it's hard to believe he's only 22 because he plays like he's so much older. He plays like a veteran, and he had a well-earned call-up to the American Hockey League as he signed a PTO with Rockford late in the year and really shown in Rockford as well. Ryan Rupert, the leading scorer. Matt Rupert, the penalty killer award. He also had uh, a career-high 43 points. And Matt Tompkins was the MVP and also the Game Changer Award for the Fuel as 
He set club records in wins, games played, minutes played, 29-19 and 4, 3.04 goals against, 905 save percentage, two shutouts for Matt Tompkins in his second year with the Fuel. He has signed a one-year contract extension with Rockford Ice Hogs, and I would anticipate he will be in the mix for the Ice Hogs next season. Also, the Indy Fuel will be led by a new bench boss next year as head coach Bernie John and the Fuel ownership group and management group decided to mutually part ways after this season. And... Chairman and owner Jim Hallett said that he'd like to sincerely thank Bernie for all of his tireless work and dedication to the Fuel over the last five seasons. Bernie, of course, started out as an assistant coach for the Fuel uh, to Scott Hillman and then became the interim coach and then just completed his third full season as the head coach of the Fuel. He finishes his tenure with the Fuel as the fifth winningest coach in the history of Indianapolis hockey with 99 wins behind only Ott Heller, who was a championship coach for the Indianapolis Capitals. Fred Creighton, who won two titles for the Checkers. Herbie Lewis, who led the Capitals to the Calder Cup title in 1942. And Bob Ferguson, who coached the ice for three seasons back in the International Hockey League. And also Bernie coaching the fourth most games among any coach in the history of Indianapolis hockey. And so certainly want to wish Bernie uh, John well in the future as he has put forth a lot of tireless work and building this team led it to its first playoff appearance. And looking forward, the Fuel looking to continue to push forward toward the ultimate goal of competing for a Kelly Cup. Jim Hallett said, finding someone with a successful track record at this level and who is able to recruit elite talent will be crucial. The Fuel currently searching for their next head coach, and that will be one of the storylines we follow over the offseason. And when the Fuel's next head coach is named, we'll have an extended sit-down with that person on Under the Hood and introduce him to you. And now let's meet our guest on this edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. Joseph Sokcheski is the play-by-play voice of the Rockford Icehawks of the American Hockey League, the Indy Fuel's AHL affiliate, as well as the Chicago Blackhawks. Just tell us a little bit about how the Icehawks season went. It was a 35-win campaign where it was a team that was much like the Fuel in the hunt for a playoff spot really up until the last weekend of the season in a very competitive and tight division. You had uh, a lot of good hockey to see night in and night out. Hey, Andrew. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly it. And you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it was one of the, if not the tightest uh, division overall heading into what final month of uh, the season, really at least full month in, into the month of March. But for the Rockford Ice Dogs, I mean, it was a tale of, of ups and downs all season long. And for them, uh, kind of came a little bit slow out of the gate and, and they found their stride right around uh, just at the tail end of the holiday season going into the actual calendar year 2019. And, and this is a team that, uh, I mean, overall, I mean, a lot of players said that they never seen so many transactions never seen so many injuries so but i mean that's that's kind of the nature of the game unfortunately but uh, yeah it was a, it was a lot of roster changes a lot of movement all throughout the lineup that consistently uh, produced inconsistent lineups in terms of what the coaching staff had to available to them to put out there but uh, all in all i mean they stay right in the middle of the hunt uh, of the postseason until the very final weeks of the year. And I think that's what kind of created some of the most excitement uh, around the American Hockey League, let alone the Central Division in which the Ice Dogs are in, is that you had pretty much every team at the start of March 
right into the thick of things, either separated by a point or maybe two points at most. But uh, you're looking at teams that were within striking distance of each other, a couple of wins shot you right into the playoff picture, and a couple of losses uh, sent you right towards the bottom. So it was it was a lot of excitement, a lot of math involved in terms of figuring out where people were going to fall at evening's end. And then, of course, you go into tiebreakers with all the different uh, scenarios and who would tie up for points as well. But all in all, I mean, the Central Division well, it was the most competitive in the American Hockey League at one point before, unfortunately, San Antonio well on a bit of a, a skid towards the very tail end of the year you had all teams all eight teams with a 500 or better record which uh, is something that uh, no other division can speak to in the American Hockey League this year so I mean that's just goes to show the nature of how good these teams were this season and and, and uh, the top four teams are showcasing it right now in the Calder Cup playoffs in the first round so uh, but all in all it was, it was it was a great season that just unfortunately came up a little bit short but uh, for the Rockford Ice Dogs but it, it was a fight all the way to the very end and uh, and I think that's what makes it uh, telltale signs of an exciting year. Absolutely. And that's one of those things that we dealt with uh, in Indy as well, is that you could tell from November, December into January that every game was going to feel like a playoff game because you could see the standings were going to be so tight. And, of course, in the ECHL Central Division, you had generally two, three, four points separating four teams for most of the season. And it kind of looked the same in the AHL Central Division. The Ice Hogs finished sixth but just two wins and you're in second place. And it's uh, amazing to see how tight things are, but that makes it fun uh, for fans, fun for players, because uh, really, especially in a developmental league, you get used to playing playoff hockey basically every night. And that's and that was the mantra for this Rockford Ice Hawks team. They even mentioned it in the locker room numerous times. I don't know how many times I've you know chatted with the coaching staff or chatted with players or even here in our front office in terms of just the mentality of of how this team had to perform and, and how they had to approach every single uh, home game, every single game overall. Is is that it was a playoff playoff mentality and then just looking at where they were even in the holiday season which is weird and not everybody totally buys into that whether it's uh you know from a fan standpoint marketing standpoint even the team of just constantly getting your mind to switch to a, a playoff style when you're looking at tail end of december going into january and you still have the better part of an entire year ahead of you but uh but with the standings being that tight i mean there was there was no room to lose any ground if you if you unfortunately you know dropped four, five, six games in a row, uh, unfortunately, that could spell the end of your season. And unfortunately, a uh, point and example is, is with San Antonio and then looking at where they sat right at the very beginning of March. They were a team that was just three points back of a playoff spot. They were sitting in seventh place, and they seemed like they seemed to have everything ready and available to them. Unfortunately, they went on a 13-game skid, and, and that shot them right out of the picture with about three weeks left in the season, and then they were uh, having to result to playing the role of spoiler. So you're looking at uh, uh, how tight things were, and then, and then it was it was pretty cyclical too in terms of who had success against two. Ice Hogs did would do well against say, a, a shit of the number of Milwaukee. So it just constantly rotated in terms of who was able to pick up points against who, and uh, and that ultimately proved to be the difference maker. And then Milwaukee just got fantastically hot right at the very tail end of the year. I mean, you're talking about uh, point streak and winning streak going into the teens at uh, at, at one point, and then the Ice Hogs just uh, ran right into them for three straight contests and unfortunately Milwaukee would take all three of those contests right at the very tail end of uh, the month of March so that's ultimately what kind of brought to a close the Ice Hog uh, push looking at the grand scheme of things is probably those three games against Milwaukee the 22nd 23rd and 27th but uh, I mean you're absolutely right Andrew in, in terms of that playoff mentality I mean you had to have it dialed in every single day from pretty much 
Christmas time to the end of the year. And one of the great things about the American Hockey League, as well as the ECHL, and you've been around both leagues for a long time, is their developmental leagues, not just for the players, but also for the coaches, for the broadcasters, for really uh, front office personnel, everybody else. And the Ice Hogs began the year with as the head coach, who spent uh, much of the season as the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. And it was a lot of fun to see how the Hawks really got better as the year went on. But how special was it to see somebody that you started uh, the year working with uh, having a lot of success at the National Hockey League level? It's great, and I think for him it was just the tip of the iceberg, and, and for Jeremy, I mean, he departed pretty much right at the, almost what felt like the beginning of the season, just shortly after the month of October, he would get that phone call to to make the, the trek up to, up to Chicago, but for him, I think it was, he had the battle plan in place, and he was ready to go, and that certainly showcased going back now two seasons ago with what he did with the Ice Hogs, and how far he was able to take them all the way into the postseason, the Western Conference Finals, and I think that proof was, was right there for him and the taking, and then with him getting that, with him getting that opportunity, you knew that there was going to be some, uh, some, I guess, give and take that was going to be required, maybe a little bit of a grace period and you and you saw that a little bit the transitions required of you know players that have been playing the same way for so many so many years under Joe Quinville and of course winning Stanley Cups with them as well and then you get Jeremy tweaking things here and there it wasn't a complete overall but he would definitely play the player's strengths which it wasn't always uh what was on the forefront of everybody's mind so that first month you saw it uh, pretty slow out of the gate but then you started to see everybody buy in whether it was the players the management the, the staff you saw everybody kind of had that aha moment i see what you're trying to do and then uh, he finished up the season strong and he even actually got the blackhawks in, in the part of the postseason conversations uh, heading into the final weeks of the National Hockey League's regular season. Ice Hawks had to do the same thing, so when Jeremy departed, um, Derek King, who had been an assistant coach at the Ice Hawks even prior to Jeremy's arrival from uh, two seasons ago, uh, it was his opportunity to shine. He had been an uh, assistant coach in the AHL level for a long, long time, has a wealth of experience, including playing experience in the National Hockey League for so many years with primarily the Islanders and, and Toronto Maple Leafs. So for Derek King, it was his time to shine and, and, and take that uh, baton and run with it. And indeed he did in terms of how he was able to keep this ice hog bunch loose and relaxed and, and still able to focus because obviously a coaching change can really shake things up. And and, uh, and it wasn't just Derek King. It was Anders Sorensen who had to come in with Sheldon Brookbank departing to uh, Chicago to join Jeremy about uh, a couple weeks after uh, Carlton would make that full-time promotion. So there was a lot of changes. And I think that was one of the, the many things that a lot of players alluded to during exit interview day uh, not all too long ago is just how many changes changes and uh, and uh, movements there were for this group and and how many adjustments they had to make on the fly and uh, I mean it's trick it's development from all levels and I know the indie field too for sure are experiencing that too with with Bernie John uh, and and the organization mutually going to part ways so I mean that's just another opportunity for a, a coach to step in and make their mark and take that opportunity and run with it as a part of the overall big Blackhawk family so it's it's going to be an interesting summer and now uh, Derek King of course he still has that interim tag he, he added at the very tail end of the year, and he was kind of curious in his exit interview day. Cracked a few jokes. He likes to keep things lighthearted, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what the plan is moving forward. And uh, the Ice Dogs, as of right now, still do not have a full-time on the uh, title page of the website, full-time head coach as of yet. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I think, given his uh, experiences with all the organizations, I, th- I think it's uh, to say it's bet that he's probably a front runner for it. And uh, certainly with the Blackhawks as well, you have a number of players that played for Jeremy. Colleton in Rockford and that pipeline from Rockford to Chicago has really been solid for the last several years and we've seen that with other coaches that have moved up from the American Hockey League in 
into the NHL, Bruce Cassidy and Boston being one that the familiarity with the players that and especially the younger players that are coming in can really give them a lot of confidence as they come up to the NHL level. And we saw that successful transition from a lot of the Ice Hogs when they got opportunities in Chicago to really shine. And it was like seeing a friendly face walk into the building and, and, and greet you again. And I know a lot of these players had seen Jeremy numerous times, whether it be through training camps or development camps or just off-season workouts and meetings. But uh, for guys that uh, are still trying to make their mark and, you know, even guys entering their first full years and, and young players like Dennis Gilbert on defense, you also had guys that were going to be making their first pro jump and, and Henry Yokiharu who experienced maybe Carlton as a, as a coach during a training camp and then also, you know, obviously that's his full-time guy now and Dylan Secura, of course, making the, the leap as well. But just familiar faces even that Jeremy had in the American Hockey League level like Luke Johnson, John Hayden, uh, David Camp who was up with the Chicago all this year, Alexander Fortan who had a, a little bit of action uh, here and there with both clubs and Andreas Martinson. I mean, the list can really go on and on and on in terms of uh, and who has had experience with uh, Jeremy at an HL level and a National Hockey League level. So the benefit there, and they also the same thing, is, is that not necessarily you have a leg up on the competition, but you have a full understanding of what's expected of you. And, and maybe the transition is a little bit easier than, say, some uh, players that were experiencing uh, you know, Jeremy's uh, style of coaching for the very first time. But uh, but they all knew where they fit into the system, and they all knew what they what they were going what was going to be required of them to, to see the most success, and and I think that was uh, a great great bright spot for a lot of these young players. And at the same time, I mean it, it's it's a great example to follow for these guys too, and in terms of proof in the pudding and, and that hard work and dedication to the craft pays off, and your time in, in the in the minor leagues can and can hone your skills and and get you that opportunity at the next level. And I think uh, that resonated with a lot of people as well. Yeah, looking as well at the relationship between the Ice Hogs and the Fuel. How important is that relationship as far as developing players and getting players ready for the American Hockey League level, especially a lot of young players that we've seen start in Indy and develop their game and then come up to Rockford and be able to contribute? Well, look no further than uh, you know the field's most valuable player and then the Game Changer Award winner and Matt Tompkins. I mean, this is a kid that uh, last year got a little bit of time, or I guess I should say two seasons now, got a little bit of time with the Ice Dogs and, and some game action. No time last year, but I mean... It, and speaking with him in his brief time right at the very tail end of the year, I mean, he was quick to point out, I mean, he played, he played nearly just as many games with the fuel this year than he did all of his entire four-year college career at Ohio State University. So, I mean, you just get the repetition and the and the on-ice management and the off-ice management, how you train, how you prepare, but also how do you recover and adjust to life as a professional and, and having that everyday mentality to, to come to the rink and put in the time and effort uh, is monstrous. And that earned Matt Tom Tompkins, uh, another AHL deal going into next year, and now he's—I know—he's going to be battling for a spot uh, here with the Rockford Ice Dogs, and with that goaltending depth that they've got going on. But also, I mean, you saw it with guys uh, Brett Wolechka, Josh McArdle, of course, a Roscoe, Illinois native, what ten minutes up the road here from Rockford. So, I mean, he obviously was was able to use his time with Indy in, in a monstrous way, coming out of Brown University and really learning the ropes for the first time, having no prior experience in that in that range of any sorts. 
And then, uh, I mean, guys like Dmitry Osipov seizing an opportunity with the, with the injured backline for the Ice Dogs and, and being that steady Eddie blue liner like uh, he received the Defenseman of the Year award with the Indy Field this, uh, this past year and just being that consistent presence and physical presence but also knowing uh, – knowing how to fit in and knowing what his role is to, to see that and open up some eyes in that direction. So, I mean, it, it was absolutely huge for these guys to gain that ice time, to gain that experience, and, and ultimately use the time and effort that they spent with the Indy Fuel in the, in the ECHL to help them contribute to the Ice Hogs uh, throughout the year. And speaking of Josh McArdle, who we really enjoyed spending time with and seeing on the ice and in the dressing room in Indy, He's, as you mentioned, a kid from right up the road in Roscoe, Illinois, grew up in the Ice Hogs youth program as the first player to come through that youth program and suit up for the Rockford Ice Hogs. How special is it to see a homegrown player now playing in front of his hometown fans? And he was able to get into a number of games this year and really stuck for long stretches on the Ice Hogs blue line. Tell you what, the fan base absolutely loved it. And this is a group that, I mean, there wasn't a person in the building that didn't have some sort of connection to Josh or his family, whether it was through the youth hockey programs or just through local business adventures or just family, friends, and and, and uh, enjoying each other's company uh, here in the community. So, I mean, that was an uh, incredible moment to see him. And then, of course, he scored his first AHL goal uh, at home. So that was, uh, that was fantastic as well. And I know his family was pretty much at every single game that he played in. Um, and then, of course, the season ticket fan base, uh, and including his family and friends, would all come out during every uh, community event or player signing or post-game party that would be going on in which uh, McArdle was available to take photos and sign autographs or take a skate on the ice uh, during a post-game skate. Uh, so, I mean, that was that was an incredible experience. And it goes to show, I mean, just the development of, of – of the youth hockey programs here in, in the uh, state line area and in, in central Illinois and, and northern Illinois and then even spreading up into Wisconsin as well. I mean, it's, uh, it goes to show that, again, hard work pays off. And I know he had to put in a lot of hard work to, to jump uh, in from this local community to, to put the time and effort into travel hockey and, and then obviously uh, advance his skill level enough to, to gain the uh, status of you know going to Brown University, not just the skill level, but the smarts as well. I'll give him that. But um, – so that was that was a phenomenal moment throughout the year, and, and I know that was something that he was more than excited to, to share with with a lot of people here in town. Well, you have a lot of experience in the ECHL as well. Uh, spent several years with the South Carolina Stingrays. You know a lot about that relationship. How important is uh, the ECHL? We talked about in just developing players, but also in seeing and giving players and broadcasters, front office personnel as well, the opportunity to to learn and grow and give themselves opportunities to the next level. Oh, it's it's monstrous. And I know in my time with the Stingrays, I was very fortunate to be there for six incredible years and, and saw a little bit of everything in my time, and not to mention just uh, what the, the rest of the, the whole country looks like and how other organizations are run, but how, how, to, how to become a professional and how to, how to execute on a day-to-day basis and know the, the needs and requirements of each and every minor league organization and, and what is on the forefront in terms of organizational goals. So that was outstanding to be a part of that and and still very much stay connected to not only them but the ECHL overall but and, and tell you what there's not a better way to uh to get your to get to get that learning curve and that learning opportunity under your belt because I think in the, in, in those ranks you learn how to do Everything. And it's not necessarily everything in terms of skill set wise, but it's just like you learn stuff about yourself that you probably could not 
ever imagine when it comes to uh, just the, the workload it takes. And I go back to the Matt Tompkins and, and playing all those games and all those minutes. And, and he said he never learned, you know, he never had to, you know, worry about recovery and making sure that I stretched and making sure I was eating right and making sure I was, you know, maintaining my body in the right, right direction. It's all those things that, that, that grind on you throughout the course of any season at any level, but uh, that you learn and discover about yourself and, and what you can push yourself through and how you can improve and see improvement on a, you know, week to week or month to month or, you know, year to year basis. Uh, so I, I mean, I know from my personal standpoint, way you know, separate from the players, but just my looking back to my first year with South Carolina to my last year. And then even to where I am now, I mean, I would love to, <laughs> to listen back to some of those old broadcasting tapes or some of those old, you know, game notes that I put out there, the website work that I would contribute on. And then just kind of like probably laugh a little bit now, but at the same time, it's amazing to see how far you come just with the experience and the opportunities that you get from doing so. And you mentioned opportunities. You had the opportunity to come to Rockford mid season last year and, suddenly you're part of a team that really put things together as the year went on and had an opportunity to play in the conference finals and give themselves a chance to uh, got just shy of the Calder Cup finals. But what was that run like to be a part of and to follow a team and to broadcast a team as they go deep into the playoffs? That was, I mean, it was fantastic, and I know that was the benchmark and, and the bar set for goals going into the, this year. And even some players during their exit interviews even said, you know what, like, that's where we set our standards, and, and that's where we know we can execute and play at that, that level. And they just unfortunately came up a little bit short this past season. But, to I mean, to, to jump in and, and, and be a part of that, and, and not just myself, but there were so many people within the organization and then within uh, even just the, the players on the ice and the, and the training staff and everything like that. So many people came in, not not necessarily at the start of the year, but even mid-season as well, and, and, and we're all trying to you know tug on the same rope and accomplish the same goals. And at the same time, uh, you know, there was you know, learning, learning curves that needed to be addressed and, you know, trying to feel out your way and at times and, and get an understanding of what everybody's trying to accomplish. But uh, I think once that clicked in and, and you could feel it, it was probably right around mid February or so just after Valentine's day where you could really sense uh, that everybody was just diving right in. NHL trade deadline came and went. You knew that the team you had on the ice was the team that you're going to be going to going to battle with uh, from start to finish. And I know in the eyes of, of those players in that locker room, I mean, uh, that was kind of the mentality of, of let's go, let's go and showcase what we got. And for everybody here in the organization, it was a chance to really make the ice hogs shine bright. It was what last year. So this past year's 12 years. So that was the 11th year of, of Rockford ice hog hockey in the American hockey league. And obviously, you know, going into the postseason, you're taking on a big bag rivalry team just down the road in the Chicago wolves who have, you know, in terms of market size and, and presence have been around so much longer at all different, uh, various levels of, of minor league hockey. So, you know, you take down a, a long time rivalry, that you know for the Rockford Ice Hogs it seems like they're in the shadow for a little bit of, of the Chicago Wolves organization but I think that's what pushed them on out not only to do that but to sweep them in the first round and then it just seemed like the rest was just uh, an absolute uh, roller coaster ride of emotions ups and downs and, and loop-de-loops all throughout but that was an incredible run I know everybody in this organization uh, still buzzes and talks about it but obviously people want to get back there knowing uh, the talent that's ahead and, and obviously what can be accomplished here in the near future. How much did that experience pay off for players who moved up to the National Hockey League level and experienced uh, playing in the NHL but also for those who uh, were part of the Ice Hogs this year in helping teach the younger players and teach the rookies about what it takes to be successful at this level and 
show that because they've been very successful at this level. And it's amazing to, to when NHL clubs talk about how valuable playoffs can be, and, and that's just something that uh, is, is I, I guess it's immeasurable. It's one of those X factors, those intangibles that, you know, it's, it's not just the game itself, but it's the mental preparation. It's uh, being able to, to stay focused at high stress times, at high tension times, and, and you see it all across. And that's exactly why when the, uh, the Blackhawks sent down Dylan Secura when they did, final couple weeks of the regular season. It was the hunt of the playoffs. It was playing meaningful games, must-win mentalities, and and uh, and that was something that uh, he was going to only be able to get from his time here at the Rockford Ice Dogs at that moment. So it, it was incredible to to witness that. But then there's a lot of young guys, even just last year uh, or two seasons ago, that relied on a lot of uh, veteran presence. Colin Delia, of course, being one of them, the former Indy Field goaltender. That was his first full rookie year. So to get that action in the, in the first couple rounds of the playoffs, and, and especially going as, as deep as some of those games were and multiple overtimes if required. I mean, it was uh, it, it, it takes a toll on the body. It takes a toll on the mind probably even more so. And I think that's something that you can only learn at these levels and at these moments. And, uh, and you even heard about it in even some of the NHL press conferences uh, here these last couple of days about some young teams that are getting knocked out of the postseason like uh, Toronto and Mike Babcock saying we have a young team and, you know, these are lessons that need to be learned. And the only way you can learn them is to Go through them firsthand, and and that's how uh, it was able to be done for them, and that's how a lot of these Ice Hogs learned, whether it was this year or the season before, and now they're battle-tested and ready, so when the chance arrives, when they're pushing for uh, an NHL postseason spot with their organization, that uh, they've been there before. They have a few stories to tell, and they know how to battle through it. I had a chance to talk to Dave Christian, who came and uh, visited us in Indy a couple of weeks back in the last week of the regular season, and he came to Indy and played his first career minor league game 13 years into his pro career with the Indianapolis Ice. And the Blackhawks really used him to mentor some of the young prospects. And the one thing we're seeing with the Ice Hogs is Peter Holland being acquired again to kind of help mentor some of those young guys and provide that veteran presence. And now you had a big signing this week in bringing Chris Verstig, a two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Hawks. Obviously a well-known name among Hawks fans and fans in Illinois and really throughout the Midwest. But how important are players like a Chris Verstig, like a Peter Holland, to helping develop these players that obviously a few guys from the Fuel will probably see in the Ice Hogs roster next season, but also a lot of the young draft picks and the younger players coming out of junior and college hockey as they transition to the pro game? It's, I mean, the the experience you learn for, from, from the older players is just immeasurable in terms of not just how to handle yourself and compose yourself on the ice or at practice, but off the ice as well. And I know the Ice Hawks turned to, to Peter Holland this past year when he came over at the, at the trade deadline. Jordan Schrader was a presence all season long. Terry Broadhurst uh, battled a lot of injuries, but he was very much present in that Ice Hog locker room. And then Andrew Campbell, the defenseman, who multiple young defensemen credited him by name in terms of how they helped uh, or uh, he helped them develop into into full-time pros and, and to be consistent players out there on the ice and and that was really the first one of the first things that uh, Chris Versteeg even mentioned in the interviews that we got the chance to, to catch up with him briefly and and then he wants to be a part of that he's a, he's in a place in his career now where you know family first but at the same time he wants to give back and then give back to an organization that gave him the opportunity to play and win those two Stanley Cups in 2010-2015 so I mean what better experience could you learn than from a guy that has seen and done it all in, in Chris Versteeg and, and not just uh, 
and accomplishments, but obviously, I mean, he's had to battle through a lot of adversity himself, and and uh, he listed a laundry list of injuries that have plagued him all throughout his career and kept him at 100%, but still, he personally feels like he can battle at, a, at an elite level, and I know there's a lot of people out there that probably know that he can battle at, a, at an elite level. So, I mean, there's something to be said for lessons learned there, and just by watching him and watching him fight for every inch and, and try and gain every inch he can to his advantage, and I mean, experience like that uh, doesn't come around very often, and so when it does, be sure to jump on it. And and I know there's gonna be a lot of players come training camp time, rookie camp time, when when Christopher Steve's floating around among other veterans, that uh, they'll have a few questions for him to help them get settled. Well, one of the things that we really enjoy is watching players start out as rookies and develop quickly and move up to the next level and really shine. And one of those guys, you mentioned him earlier, as Colin Delia came in, started his pro career with a fuel, played a handful of games in Indy. And by the end of the season, he is starting in the United Center. And then this season, had a number of games with the Hawks as well as uh, really solidifying his place in Rockford. How special is it to see a guy develop and shine at the AHL level, but also at the National Hockey League level as you see their game grow and they gain confidence and they gain experience as the year goes on. Tell you what, and I mean, he quickly became the poster child for that success and, and that uh, determination, you know, last year, you know, from the Indy Fuel to the Ice Hawks to the Chicago Blackhawks and, and physically being able to watch that timeline unfold all within the same season was, was absolutely incredible. And I know that's something that uh, keeps him driven and that's what his mindset was even going to this year. And I mean, obviously with two seasons ago, you saw Corey Crawford go down with injury. You saw a couple other goaltenders battling as well. Uh, with injuries so I mean that's what presents the opportunities and, and that's what allows some guys to, to jump in there and shine bright or at least at the very at the very least uh, maybe gain a watchful eye and gain some attention saying hey maybe we should pay a little bit more closer to, to this person so for Delia that was just I mean it only makes you grow you know more determined and hungrier for those opportunities again and, and again same thing unfortunately with with another injury in Chicago he gets that uh chance to go up there and improve himself and, and get some regular playing time as well and even get to you know be a part of some of the the league festivities and the winter classic backing up cam ward and and uh, and south bend indiana there so i mean that's that's all stuff that's just you you can't you know replace those you can't make up those stories i mean it's it's an incredible experience for him and and to see that uh firsthand and, and even for a lot of the guys that made nhl debuts this past year from starting with the ice Hawks to to then joining chicago whether it was for one game or a handful of games i mean there's players all up and down that ice Hawks roster that uh, that are looking back and, and are using that as a motivator into the offseason saying you know i i've seen i've seen the light i've seen what i need to do i see i see what i where i want to be how can i get there not just for one game not just for a weekend or a month how can i get there full time and i know that that's a driving factor behind a lot of players colin delia included and uh, another player is kevin lonkinen who's kind of following that same path where started out as a rookie played a few games in indy and has had a solid year in rockford and now he as well uh, maybe looking to make that jump as he develops in the organization and that's exactly his his idea. This this past year for him, his first season in North America, so it was a, a feeling out process, a chance to get to work with the goalie coaches on a on a regular basis. I know Peter Aubrey comes down to Indy pretty regularly, and and uh, got to work with Kevin, got to work with Matt Tompkins and, and the gang down there, and and that was something that he wanted to do full time with with Kevin here, and you could see that 
that he got steadily better as the year wore on. Whatever adjustments he felt he, he needed to make from his game over in, in Finland to here, you could see those tweaks being made right in front of you. And obviously he got thrust right into the fire right at the very beginning, um, you know, getting the opening night start for the Ice Dogs out in, in Cleveland, but then kind of had that gradual wade into the water and then, then see what we can swim with. So it's uh, it's going to be that exact same mentality for him going into the next year. He had a great, uh, great couple of months. In fact, I was looking over his numbers earlier today, just for a, a nice little piece on the on the Ice Dog website. And I was just like, you know what? Like his February, you know, late January, going into February, he was one of the more consistent goaltenders for this Rockford Ice Dogs bunch. You could start to see that hard work pay off, but then he became a part of a trio with Delia and Anton Forsberg. Obviously, we you know talked about college accomplishments and then Forsberg being a, a championship caliber goaltender uh, in his career as well. I mean, that's just a chance for him to, to be a, a spectator and a chance to, to work with them and work with the goalie coaches and, and pick brains and ask questions, just like we were talking about the Chris Versteeg and Peter Holland scenario. So I can only imagine what that first level and first year of, of experience did for him, and I'm anxious to see his jump and his, uh, his drive going into training camp. Uh, anything else you want to share with our fans here in Indy who are listening? Tell you what, I mean, it, it was exciting to follow along the Indy Fuel all season long. I mean, there were so many great players that, uh, you know, that helped nurture that relationship. And, I mean, it was exciting to catch up with, now, you know, Bernie John and Ryan McGinnis. And even McGinnis, I had the privilege of broadcasting some of his games back when he was a player with the Stingrays in Florida Everblades. So, I mean, just to have those relationships with the Indy Fuel is is fantastic. And I'm excited to see what the Fuel present and and, uh, and who they're going to have at, at training camp come this year. But uh, tell you what, I mean, it, it's it's a point of pride. And I know right when you're in the middle of the postseason hunt, when you see player transactions all over the map, uh, it's always kind of – hard to see the end product, but uh, I mean, when you look at guys like the Delias, like the Lonkinens, like the Josh McArdles, even Dimitri Osipov on a pro tri- uh, tryout, you know, was able to really kind of climb up the depth chart and, and make an impact in the, that final couple of weeks. I mean, it, it all pays off and that's something that uh, I know fans can certainly be proud of and they can see that development right in front of their eyes, whether it's in uh, whether it's in Indy, it's in Rockford, or it's in Chicago or anywhere else. It, it's it's fantastic to see and I know uh, Fuel fans and Ice Hog fans alike are, are, are looking forward to a bright future ahead well thanks a lot for joining us on this edition of under the hood with the indy fuel well and i appreciate it thank you so much for uh, allowing me to come on and, and and chat with you and i look forward to more conversations in the future and that's the rockford ice hogs play-by-play voice joseph zakcheski on this edition of under the hood with the indy fuel Got a few thanks to pass out before we conclude this tour under the hood. First of all, to my longtime co-host, Brent Hollerud. He is also the Fuel Social Media Guru, Director of Marketing, Public Relations Coordinator. Does a little bit of everything for the Fuel. And again, uh, congratulate him as he has moved on to an opportunity with the Indianapolis Colts and wish him well there. But thank him for... Just four years of outstanding work with a fuel friendship and uh, as well as uh, a lot of time uh, spent together in helping tell the story of the indie fuel and uh, helping me do my job both on the podcast but also in the broadcast booth also uh, rachel o'donnell the fuels digital content coordinator those two did yeoman work 
this season. I want to thank the head coach, Bernie John, and assistant coach, Ryan McGinnis, for all of their help this year and for leading the Fuel franchise all season. Uh, of course, the first playoff appearance last year and within two points of one this season and certainly wish him well in whatever the future might hold. Also, I want to thank Larry McQuarrie, the chief operating officer of the Indy Fuel, who really is the brains behind the operation and puts a lot of what we experience every night in motion. And there's so many others to thank. Of course, Jim Hallett, the owner of the Indy Fuel, for leading this team throughout its five years and giving us the opportunity to enjoy this outstanding ECHL hockey night in and night out. And there are so many others to thank, and it's hard to... uh, fit them all in here. But most of all, I want to thank you, our listeners, our fans, uh, the broadcast listeners as well. Uh, Thank you for the support that you have provided the Indy Fuel. The players feel it. The uh, coaches feel it. The front office feels it. And certainly I feel it up in the broadcast booth. And I want to thank you for all the uh, positive comments and the feedback that I've received throughout the year on the broadcast. Just thank you for your support of this hockey team and the support of what we do. And and as I said, the players feel that as well. And want to certainly give a thanks to the players and the coaches. They were always so professional on the ice and off the ice. A great group of guys to be around all season. Looking forward to chatting with you more during the offseason. We'll have a great array of guests for you on Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. Thank you for joining us on this trip under the hood. We'll see you at the rink. Thanks for going under the hood with the Indy Fuel. For more, keep visiting IndyFuelHockey.com.